This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. One of the most compelling aspects of Jesus' final days is the attitude with which he carried himself. Isaiah says that he would be like a sheep before her shearers is dumb. The prophet's point was that Jesus would do little to defend himself amid the injustice that he suffered. Jesus instead entrusted himself to the one who judges justly, Peter would say. But just because Jesus' words were few, the evidence speaks for itself. Pilate asked Jesus in Matthew 27, Are you the king of the Jews? The internal evidence and the body of prophetic utterances fulfilled in this chapter alone confirmed that this Jesus is exactly who he said he was, and that he had come to die and that death would bring forgiveness for all who receive him. Verses 11 through 14 of Matthew 27 read, Now Jesus stood before the governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus answered, You say so. While he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. Then Pilate said to him, Don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But he didn't answer him on even one charge so that the governor was quite amazed. Matthew's purpose for writing his gospel is exposed in his inclusion of Pilate's question, Are you the king of the Jews? Everything Matthew had been trying to say now for 26 chapters is wrapped up in this statement. For this is Matthew's point. Jesus was indeed the king of the Jews, the promised Messiah that they had scorned. Just consider all the statements in this chapter that had been foreshadowed by the prophets. The traitor to the son of David hangs himself, something David's traitor Ahithophel did in 2 Samuel 17.23. Thirty pieces of silver purchase a potter's field after having been thrown into the temple courts, just like in Zechariah 11.12 and 13. When God is taken to court, the people are warned in dreams not to judge the Lord himself, according to Job 33. And this is precisely what Pilate's wife warns Pilate against doing. Those standing in judgment over a murder case where the victim was unjustly killed were to go to the river and wash their hands by the creek and declare, Our hands did not shed this blood. Our eyes did not see it. Lord, wipe away the guilt of your people from Israel, whom you redeemed, and do not hold the shedding of innocent blood against them. Then the responsibility for bloodshed will be wiped away from them. A chilling word from Deuteronomy 21, verses 7 and 8. David washes his hands from the crowd of wicked evildoers around God's altar in Psalm 26. Pilate does the same here. Jesus is beaten mercilessly. Isaiah 53 said that he would be pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. 
The punishment for our peace was on him, and we would be healed by his wounds. Psalm twenty-two seventeen and sixty-nine twenty-one, both speak of how sinners would cast lots for his garments. Isaiah fifty-three twelve says that Jesus would be counted among the rebels, the revolutionaries. The exact words mentioned here in Matthew twenty-seven. Like his father, David, the cruel crowd mocks and sneers at Jesus and shakes their heads, Psalm 22, 7 and 109, 25. They ridicule him for his prophecy to rebuild this temple in three days, something he will ultimately do. Like David, Jesus was forsaken, Psalm 22, 1. Jesus is given vinegar to drink like David was, Psalm 69, 21. Ezekiel 37.12 says that the graves will open when the Messiah dies so that they may know that I am the Lord, a phenomenon recorded here. Psalm 38.11 says that they who loved him would watch him from a distance, again a reality explored for us in Matthew 27. Isaiah 53.9 says that he will be with a rich man at his death. Deuteronomy 6.17 says that a stone will be placed before the tomb. 16. Specific details outlined here foreshadow Jesus as the Messiah. Matthew had made his point. Jesus was the King of the Jews, the promised Messiah that the Jews had rejected and murdered. Here again, we pick up the truth that we learned yesterday. If God can be this in charge of the darkest moments in history so that he will predict such meticulous detail, God is involved in the circumstances of our lives. Nothing is coincidental. Nothing is out of place. It's all perfectly planned, even when we don't see it. This knowledge should bring us confidence and hope, even if those roads lead us into some dark places. We have to remember that if Jesus, the Son of God's only aim is to please the Father in this life, can we do any different? There will be seasons in our journey where it will be challenging to walk this road. Following the Father's plans will lead us down difficult and dark paths, sometimes even filled with pain and grief. In those moments, what should we do? How do we respond? We must do as Jesus did. Surrender our will and plans and dreams to the will of the Father. But how do we do that? We submit this through prayer. Sometimes that will be in agony. Sometimes it will be, have to be done repeatedly, as Jesus did. Sometimes we will have to struggle to align our will with God's will through prayer. And that won't be easy. I fear sometimes that I am more like the disciples than I am Jesus in this story. We often walk into the hour where we are supposed to be surrendered to God, asleep, just as these disciples were. Our flesh is weak to surrender at that moment. We want to, but we can't because we're caught in the temptation to give in to fear and to dread. And this weakness is because we have not prayed for this hour. And when we come to this hour of surrender to God's plan, where we are forced to relinquish our will to his, we struggle to do it because we haven't prepared ourselves ahead of time. We're tempted to fear because our spirit is indeed willing to surrender to God, but our flesh is weak. 
The disciples experienced this when the time came for them to walk in confidence in God's plans. Their flesh was weak, and they couldn't walk in it because they had not fortified themselves beforehand in prayer by surrendering to God's will. They reacted with emotion and fear and ran to hide. The same is true in our lives. If we don't live in intentional surrender through prayer before the moment comes, then when the time comes to trust ourselves to God's plans, we will inevitably give in to fear and emotion and run and hide rather than walk with confidence and peace in the difficult times. So Jesus, thank you that your plans are never thwarted, even when it means death. You are a remarkable Savior who knew all these things would come, predicted them, had the power to accomplish them, and the wisdom to declare them. As the centurion said, truly, this is the Son of God, and he is worthy of our honor, worship, surrender, and trust, especially when we don't see what he is doing. Help us, Lord, to see what you see and to realize that you see what we don't see. And help us to trust you in every moment, even the darkest ones. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.